So, uh, are we hydrated? Have Eric, we... <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on my sixth cup of tea, and it is not even 11 o'clock in the morning. Things, yeah. are, things are going poorly over here. I put down a nice big Yeti thermos of coffee this are morning. You, okay, so this is an important question. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the year, you proclaimed that you were going to become a thermos yeah, man, even absolutely. though you work from home and don't commute anywhere. That's right. That's that's been maintained oh i'm absolutely well into that lifestyle now i would say it's a good 35 40 percent of my personality <laughs> um i carry my thermos everywhere i live by the thermos i die by the thermos um i fill it with delicious hot coffee in the morning um the other day and this actually as i say it aloud feels pretty unconscionable um i just dumped two Lacroix into it <laughs> You know what? I've done that. I've done that <laughs> <Yeah>. before. <laughs> you just you double know, it up. You just put yeah. both of them in there. So, so um, Moose, my wonderful dog, mm-hmm. loves loves a routine. Yeah. Um, and so now, I, this is a great mistake of mine. But like now, whenever I put on clothes, she thinks that we're going for a walk. Yeah. And you know, except for this past week, the weather. You know, spring. Early summer Minnesota. Um, usually the weather is 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 pretty okay, but like she's a quarter husky, so she right. gets like she gets really hot, and so I this is this is unconscionable. I bought a camelback because I live and die by my like my big camelback, so I got a smaller size, uh-huh. and then I purchased like a really really uncool fanny pack yep. that fits the camelback in there, and so that <laughs> so I can give her water on walks. And I've taught my dog how to drink uh, out of a camelback. Um, wow, that's actually a pretty good trick. Yeah, I mean, like I unscrew the top and she yeah. like laps yeah. it, whatever. But yeah. like. But it's it's just like I've been walking around like in my neighborhood geared up. with a fanny pack that's like filled with a water bottle. And it's just like I'm embarrassed for me. Everybody else is embarrassed for me. But like that's what I got right now. That's what I have going. I think it, I think it's a time where everyone is embarrassed for themselves for any number of reasons. <laughs> uh, we've been you know, it's been pretty brutally hot here and. Our walks have not been going very well either. Um, yeah. he, We've started he, going at six in the morning. Yeah, no, that's that's when I, some of us have been going at six in the morning for a year, Laura. Uh, well. So welcome aboard the <laughs> six a.m. walk train. The problem with six a.m. is that's when the squirrels are out. There are a lot of squirrels out there. That yeah. that is not working for either yeah. of us because Moose gets frustrated because she can't like chase the squirrels. Right. And because we don't have squirrels in our yard because we have an outdoor cat that lives next door and like owns our yard. And so there are just no squirrels. I think I might have squirrels in my house. Really? Yeah. No, they're like they're around us all around. And like every now and then I like hear stuff and I'm like, "Mm." you know what that means, Eric? (laughs) You should get a cat. Mm, That will never happen. But (laughs) um there's only I, room enough for one cat in your household, and it's you. That's right. That is correct. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't know what else is going on. I guess we're going to talk about serious stuff in a little bit, but what else you got going on in your life? Um, so I moved Merge Dragons, the yeah, the game, to right. my to my home screen app, like mm-hmm. my, the app to my home screen on my yeah. phone. Last night at like ten thirty at night, I was like <laughs> going through Reddit and like finding yeah. like tricks and tips oh, and whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's been going super well. So in the um, long, in the long, like. I feel like Merge Dragons is like the F plot of of print run. <laughs> and it's like starting to become like the the dragons are winning. Like cuz for a while it was like oh Laura's going to get off that stuff for a I life. was off it for a while. And, I deleted it cuz it was like 1:30 yeah. in the morning and like I'm a strict like 11 p.m. bedtime girl and it was like one more it was like 1:30 in the morning and I was like clicking right. I was like merging away and I was like we got to delete this and I deleted it and I lasted mm-hmm. about 3 months and then mm-hmm. I re-downloaded it and had yep. to start over. You had to start over? Yes. Sometimes those games like will keep your data, you know, like and when this you re-download didn't. oh that sucks. But it's okay because I learned a lot from the youtube video oh so you you like were able to come back better than before better than before i'm still like i'm still kind of like kicking myself from like even a few months ago things that i did then i was like that was that was bad like i should have waited Mm. or you know because it's more it's more effective to merge five instead of three i don't know Mm. if you know this oh i mean it stands to reason surely Um, uh, well, yeah. Um, well, that's good. Um, yeah, and everything. That, I'm doing great. We're all just leaning into our various psychic crutches. You've um, been doing a lot of magic cards lately. I've been playing a lot of magic, which is very fun. It's the only thing that feels good right now. That's good. Um, yeah. No, we've been. It's it's quite a time. I mean, what we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but also mm-hmm. we've been. You know, I know that I've been at protests and stuff like that, and we were down at that Sheridan for a while, and, like, it's I, it's just a time of having no idea what the right decision is at any given moment, you know? And yeah, it's very str- – I'm finding that very stressful, and I know everyone else is too, and so hopefully, like, hey, we can just hang out for an hour and today and talk about – uh, such soothing things as um, racism, s- s- institutional <laughs> racism in the publishing industry. And on that note, I'd like to say welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. Uh, with me, as always, if you don't know by now, it's Laura's ass. Say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. Um, yeah, as we said, obviously, and this is, you know, actually, so quick sidebar here, like, we get asked anytime things happen in publishing that feel kind of internet-y or like it gets everybody talking, you know, when suddenly people are doing tweets and subtweets and all this kind of stuff. Like we usually like the print run notifications online start to kind of blow up a little bit. We also everyone... get a lot of emails, which is right. good. Like you should definitely right, right, right. keep sending no, us to, emails. And to be clear that we want this and this is good and we do want to engage with stuff, but this has been i think a really banner few weeks for that where it's just like i mean anyone who pays attention to book stuff i mean it's just been one thing after another lately and we're gonna try a little bit not to really go thing by thing today but just like talk about broad trends and talk about you know what we're seeing and all that kind of stuff and try to do at least some of the underlying substance some justice or as opposed to just like rehashing uh, play-by-plays and you know things like that but 
Um, we only gossip about our dogs and yeah. a magic cards on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like, I'm just, I'm so fatigued on some of this stuff, but I do think it is important to get into a little bit. And so before we do any of that, how about the basic rundown? Absolutely. Um, so it is, what month is it? June? What month um, even is it? Is a great <laughs> question. Uh, print Run did not get our special episodes out in May because we are located in the Twin Cities and um, protests came first. So um, due to our local upset and literally things burning um, and trying to disband our police force. Um, we were busy. And so what we're doing this month is we are offering, we're, we're going to be releasing a double query show, a double first pages show. Um, and then we have kind of a, a glut of like Tulloon it may concern and like general publishing questions. Yeah. And so I just want to do, so we're going to, as a third special episode, we're going to do just like a big collection where we're going to like rip through a bunch of those. Yeah. Um, so if you're saying, Hey, that sounds really great. Um, all of these episodes will be in and like literal days of content, are available on our Patreon. So mm -hmm. um, it's worth mentioning that if you would like for us to critique your query or your first page, or you have questions or suggestions or anything specific you want us to cover, send them to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Also, definitely worth mentioning, this is not just in the time of COVID, but forever and ever. If you are listening and you say, hey, I really like need and want access to these, but you cannot afford it, also email us. We will give you lifetime access, no questions asked, printrunpodcast at gmail.com. Now, if you are listening and you're saying, hey, I totally could pay for that and maybe I want to pay a little bit more, um, we have a Ko-Fi um, that you can, you know, buy us some some big thermos coffee, some Yeti coffee. There's no longer Super America coffee because they don't have self-serve coffees. Oh. But yeah, if you... But <laughs> Yeti coffee is a close second. Uh, I, haven't had a, I haven't had a Kit Kat since this thing started. Oh, my God. And I'm feeling pretty worn down about it. <laughs> um, theoretically, I could go get, you know, you could go and get a Kit Kat if I wanted. But it was the ritual, you know. It, you yeah. get it at the St. Paul Super America. Yep. You know, you Which is now, like, Saint... totally blown out. Like, yeah. it's, it's like a shell of a thing. They are using, <laughs> they are using like, the parking lot and the lot next to it to do, um, like, a food shelf. That's there every oh, day. That's so that's yeah. really, really lovely. That's so that's more important. But yeah. if you would like to buy Eric some Yeti coffee, uh, we're on Ko-Fi. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's enough of that. Okay. Uh, let's talk about racism. <laughs> well, so let's talk about what's yeah i mean let's talk about racism but let's also just talk about you know these last few weeks these last couple weeks in publishing i mean i think that we've seen um you know as you know the george floyd uh the protests in response to his murder you know the the rioting the looting the you know the movements the calls to um abolish the police all of these things they've sort of I guess you could say in response to that, we've seen publishing try to do what it always does, which is like be adjacent to larger social movements, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've seen it try to 
you know, we've seen a lot of publishers put out statements of support or we've seen, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people in the industry feel the need, right, and often I think rightly, like I'm not necessarily critiquing the impulse, um, to comment on things, to, um, you know, just publishing, whenever something major happens, publishing sort of springs into action as a commentator, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that has manifested um, is with a heightened focus on, you know, racism in the industry. And I think that's a great thing. But what's what's happened is, you know, a lot of, um, under that increased scrutiny, we're seeing a lot of institutions put out statements or say things that they are then catching a lot of heat for because they aren't necessarily very thought out, ranging all the way into downright kind of regressive to say, you know. And so that means it's been sort of a week and a half or so of just a lot of things feeling like they are blowing up, you know what I mean? Like we've got, you know, agencies saying things, we've got bookstores saying things, we've got authors saying things, um, all this different stuff. And it's tough to know what to make sense. You know, we've got publishers, you know, uh, putting out, you know, statements of support and then people wondering aloud, well, if you believe that, you know, why are you doing X, Y, or Z? You know, there's all this discussion of consistency and behavior and it kind of leaves us, I think, with this conversation on, well, we've sort of spent the past two weeks really putting a microscope on... Specific actors. Specific actors and yeah. specific problems within the industry. And the question now becomes, okay, well, what do we do about that? What yeah. is the problem? Like, we've done all this airing of things, which, again, needs to happen. I mean, I think, like, it's tiring, but we need that. You know what I mean? Like, it, we need, as a field, like, I think, you know, you and I have always argued, like, transparency and, you know, really kind of, account, you know, that sort of accountability. I mean, I think it's really key. Um, but what do we do with it? You know, like, at yeah. this step now, here we're at this point where, um, there's some real energy behind, obviously, a social movement, but also within the industry, like a desire to make things better. And I don't think we're going to get to, okay, well, here's X, Y, and Z on how we can improve publishing. But I just want to think, like, that maybe just, like, generally, how do we direct that energy, you know? Yeah. So before we get into that, for the people who aren't just aggressively logged on to social media. Good for you, first uh, of all. <laughs> first of all, good for you. Um, let's recap. So when, so I think the key to our conversation today is to understand that this impulse of, of really examining different parts of the publishing industry as it, as their behavior relates to, um, racism, particularly institutional racism, um, it's, it's coming from all places. So let me just like break down real quick yeah just the kind of the various points, yeah. the various areas um so our former agency red sofa literary um the owner during the riots in saint paul in minneapolis um tweeted something that was taken to be um not great very very <laughs> kind of anti-protester um and in response three of or all of the main agents of red sofa quit okay um following that the owner of corbisiera literary agency did something very similar in response two of the agents quit 
And and I'm like really glossing over these. If you're like, hey, I want to know more, like definitely dig into these specific instances. But in so with Corvisiero, two of the agents quit, and then um, the owner preemptively fired the rest of her agents and interns. And then we have a a packager, Glasstown Entertainment, that has been called out very recently for racism towards their workers in-house and also the writers that they've been working with. Um, On the other side, we have a hashtag that's been going pretty big. That's hashtag publishing paid me, which is a lot of different writers talking about their advances to really highlight the disparity between um, specifically black authors and white authors. Um, Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of data coming in from other authors of color as well. Um, Then we have the New York Times not putting not putting um, books by authors of color on their list and claiming that it is in fact not an editorially curated list, even though they've literally gone to court to argue just that. Yeah, we have the not great. um, And then we have the tattered cover, which is a bookstore which has been a really Doubling beautiful down. bookstore. It's in really? Colorado. I, I used yeah. to go there a lot, but they put out a very bad statement. Um, yeah, talking about neutrality um, yeah. and just just in kind of all of the worst ways. Um, well, they not, did what we, yeah. real quick, I mean, just on that, they did what, and this I think leads us into some other things. Like we often talk on the show about how there is no, there's no neutral. And anytime someone says they're being apolitical, they're actually being very political in a very specific way. Right. And and that's kind of what they did here is they said, uh, well, we're not going to take a stance on anything because we believe uh, in, you know, hearing all ideas, all that kind of stuff. And that can, as we have broken down on this show so many times, like that can sound very high minded. But what basically on the substance level, what you're saying is you're refusing to have an opinion on whether it's fine for the state to murder black people with impunity. You know what I mean? Like. That seems like a thing you should pick a side on and not picking a side on that and re- and announcing that you won't be picking a side on that can justifiably be seen a certain way. And um, I think it rightfully earns you some criticism. So, um, but I guess like, so yeah, like, and that is kind of where, as I, I guess I should ask. Are there other things? Are there other things on the list? Before oh we kinda... well, I mean, tangentially related to book publishing, we have Condé Nast, specifically Bon Appetit, that's coming under yes. fire for not paying their contributors of color the same or even anywhere close to the um, white talent that they have on their YouTube channel. The um, editor in chief there was caught in brownface and has since resigned. We also have a fairly new. Um, discussion amongst editors and agents online about um, about just kind of like bad or superior behavior and ignoring like new people in this industry, especially people of color. And it's just like there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure points that are being pressed right now, as you can see. And I I just think that so much of it. Um, so like I think our task now, Laura, is like okay, well what is what unifies all these things like what is the undercurrent within all of it and like a lot of it is you know it's inequality in privilege and opportunity and i think like it largely centers it largely centers on whiteness you know what i mean like i mean i think like one thing that kind of runs through all this stuff 
is that within the industry and obviously within the country as a whole, um, white people are experiencing and responding to things in a fundamentally different way than, you know, people of color. And it's creating, um, or in the end, they're being granted opportunities and privileges and all these different things that simply aren't available to, to other marginalized groups. And right now, we're kind of reckoning with that in some sort of a mass way. And what I think, like, I spent a lot of time this last week and a half being pretty frustrated and being, <clears throat> like, just feeling very fatigued watching people talk um, on the internet about all these various things. And I think the reason was, is because at least in terms of so much of what I'm seeing on my feeds, um, I'm just seeing a lot of people using this as an opportunity to like brand themselves again, you know? And like, I guess like I'm, brand themselves as like the cool yeah, non-racist I, part yeah, of publishing. Exactly. Like they're just, it's a, it's like this thing where people, and this is, I think, a thing that publishing itself as an industry loves to do. And you see this in instances of, and they do it very uncritically. Like, I personally, I think it's weird that big five houses would put out statements, you know, expressing sympathy for, you know, or, or expressing support, you know, for George Floyd and his family when they're publishing white supremacists. You know what I mean? Like, it's. Like I think that stuff is incoherent, and I but and it comes from this place of, you know, okay, well, we see a thing happening, we better, you know, get on the train and better just say something that everyone will just kind of vaguely applaud, and I guess I'm seeing a lot of that on individual levels too, and for me, the fundamental flaw with it is that even in a moment that calls for, I think, introspection. And for white people in this industry, you, me, anyone else, um, anyone else that, who that applies to in publishing, to, like, do some work and think about their position on things, like, their position is in, like, their spot in the industry, not, like, their opinions. Um, it's very much not about your stupid opinions. Like, let me get, like, <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing people's opinions. I Like, it's, I'm just trying to figure out how to put this. It's, like... This is a moment of substantive work needing to be done, right? And in that moment... So, I... Yeah. Well, let me just finish this thought real quick. And in that moment, all I'm seeing is just posturing. I'm seeing people talking about, you know, I'm just seeing endless threads on things from comfortable people. And again, I want to make clear, like, I am not talking whatsoever about, you know, people of color, you know, and specifically black people sharing their experiences with the... I'm talking about a specific sort of like comfortable person getting, you know, using this as a moment to like talk about how, you know, progressive they are in a way that feels largely devoid of substance or action. And I'm seeing a ton of that right now. So I want to, I want to expand this a little bit. Um, I think it's a central tenet of print run as a show that we are constantly like plumbing ways and interrogating the ways that like publishing is first of all, not actually like, liberal (laughs) as it thinks it is but also i think more importantly that feeds really closely in with this performativeness that you're talking about is publishing's need and desire to like this is going to be really crass but like 
make a quick buck and yes. like that is that is privileged over any everything else well they want to so, talk about shit without doing shit right I mean, and so it, but but like what i'm what i what i'm really kind of getting at here is you have a publishing industry that has over the years like in an effort for profit right has has entrenched themselves even further into not being the taste setters or change makers but instead are responding to that in a way that like you see presidents and ceos of like big five companies being like well we don't know how to sell books um like actually being on record saying stuff like that and so the problem with that is that you then build companies entire companies that shape the entire industry um that that have just a very like incoherent set of values and politics and so what that means is because you're you're presenting this disconnect you have these people who are working in these jobs that are living every day and sort of supporting and holding up a company that they have to sort of like reset into some sort of coherence in a way that means that if you apply any sort of pressure, if you apply any sort of critical thinking or criticism, it crumbles. And so like what we're seeing right now in all of these other areas with Corvisiero, with Glasstown, with Tattered Cover, like what what we're seeing here is um, a nationwide stress test being placed on different areas of the industry and having it fail. Yeah. Totally. I think that's a great way to put yeah. it. I mean, it's, and it's just, it's failing, I think, because of the, what you just described, which is that rather than have substantive, a substantive stance on these things, publishing focuses far too much on trying to sound correct without changing anything, you know, and I just, you know, there was this piece that, you know, I read that I really think was good. And I, I think we tweeted it out, but I will do so again if we haven't. Um, it was in Vulture. Um, it was written, you know, by this woman, Lauren Michelle Jackson, and the piece is called "What Is an Anti-Racist Reading List For?" Um, and this piece really struck me because it, I think, offers a really good critique of exactly what I, how I've been kind of like, like this puts in far better words than I've been thinking. Like what I've sort of sensed as like a problem, which is that. It feels like white people are using this as a moment to navel gaze Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, do something, you know? And, like, I just see, you know, there's so many incentives right now on social media to say something, to, you know, use a chance to publicly position yourself in a certain way. And I guess I just feel skeptical, you know? And I feel, like, mostly, like, who is that serving? You know, what are you doing? And I think, like, so let me read... And so the anti-racist reading list, which is, you know, a phenomenon we've seen time and time again, anytime, um, you know, anytime something happens, usually related to black trauma in this country, you know, book media will put out, oh, well, you should be in response to this. You should make sure you're reading all of these books about racism and you should make sure that you're, you know, gathering this information and forming the correct opinions and all this stuff. And like, it's just fun. I guess what this piece sort of argues and what I, what I kind of feel too is like, None of that is doing anything, you know what I mean? It's simply working on crafting your correct opinions. And 
I just think that I guess so here let me read the, let me read this paragraph and we'll go from there okay this is toward the end of the piece and here here Jackson says for such a list to do good something keener than anti-racism must be sought the word and its nominal equivalent anti-racist suggests something of a vanity project where the goal is no longer to learn more about race power and capital but to spring closer to the enlightened order of the anti-racist. And yet, were one to actually read many of these books, one might reach the conclusion that there is no anti-racist stasis within reach of, of a lifetime. Thus, there cannot be an anti-racist canon that does not crystallize the very sense of things it proposes to undermine. The very assurance of absolution is tainted. The introductory race readers, for their fault, at least court the kind of audience who, feel, who feels lost at sea in this whole race thing, and readers can lily-pad from one to another until they're ready for the tougher stuff. But it is unfair to beg other literature and other authors, many of them dead, to do this sort of work for someone. If you want to read a novel, read a damn novel like it's a novel. And I just think that, like, I hear that and it just, it makes me think, and like, it's certainly made me critique some of my own, you know, thinking and posting, and I haven't really posted much about any of this stuff lately just because it feels so empty and, like, there's something about the desire to use a moment like this to assure yourself and others that you were on the correct side of things that feels very self-serving and static to me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And I just want that to instead translate to, you know, like, you, you use, the I think, a really good image, the pressure point, right? Yeah. Like... This is a moment of pressure. This is a moment of calling, you know, many different facets of this industry to account. And that should absolutely include yourself. It should include ourselves, you know. It should include doing things and making changes that people can't see on the Internet. You know what I mean? Like, it should involve, like, trying to better yourself and better your position or better, you know, the problems in this industry in a way that doesn't only translate to raking in faves online you know yeah. and i just i know i keep harping on it but it's just i just don't re i really don't want this to be another moment in publishing's history where we just come out of it nothing has really changed but we all did a lot of talking you know we all feel really good about it exactly and... <laughs> like everyone just feel as long as everyone comes away just feeling super correct you know and i just like i just think so much about Minneapolis right now you know and having been obviously I live in this city um and you know something very bad happened to my neighbor and our neighbor and a just the pain that has been here and what's happened since then the you know the riots and the you know all these things and you know the military police coming you know the military and police you know coming and occupying the city like they have and, you know, all this different stuff and just seeing all of these things. And it just feels absolutely intolerable to me that this would just pass without something fundamentally changing, you know, and like on a, so on a larger social level that involves fighting for things that involves showing up to things and giving what you can and all this stuff. And I just want it to mean that in publishing too, because how can we look at something like this and then turn around and like 
just go back to doing our jobs the same way we did, you know? Yeah, but, but like, maybe paying an intern a little bit more. That's what I mean. Like, we've um, got to think more. We And, like, I love, to be clear, like, that's why all these conversations that people are having about transparency, like, especially, like, the, the pay inequities, all these things, like, bring it on, but let's do something about it, you know? And I think, I think, like, what we're seeing, it's, you know, and it's really, really tempting, especially online especially like experiencing so much pain in our own communities and as that as that pain has really kind of caused the 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 pot to simmer and boil over in other parts of the country and other parts of the world um it's really easy to look at like a single white woman who owns an agency just like imploding her own business instead of saying like yeah, like I made a mistake and that was super like right. like that was right. like my action was 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 not good, right? And you're seeing that and there's a little bit of like that fascination of watching a car crash. There's that Schadenfreude. And the the problem with like the big the big cancels, right? Like the big implosions yeah. is that it gives us a benchmark to like wedge our own discomfort as like privileged people in this business. Yes. Um, it, it wedges us against something as just like, well, we didn't do that. Um, right. when what right. we should, when what we should be wedging our discomfort against is that people are literally dying. Like that's, that's the key there. And you have, lots of people who are becoming educated and and they're learning about things and they're they're advocating for things they're spending money they're giving time and resources to people now but like in the same way that that you know the the people of Minneapolis and a lot of people around the country have been realizing that you can't reform the police departments you have to kind of rethink them radically like that is that doing that but to publishing structures is the only way that we're going to be able to fix things um and that we're only that we're going to be able to really deal with that and like the problem with that is that there's a lot of discomfort involved and (laughs) and that sucks a lot but you can't like like somebody won't be safe like perfectly safe if they're marginalized and they're being published by the same company that spends millions of dollars on donald trump books you know what i mean like if if our goal is to be an industry that once again leads schools of thought and shapes this country it can't be well, we got to hear both sides. It can't be because like, what are the sides? Like the sides are that um, like, that's don't kill us and we want to kill you. Like no, those I are the sides. Like that's like in that simple act of defining when people say the stuff like that. Okay. Got to hear both sides. Like what? Like th- that never comes with a delineation of what they're actually saying we should have to pick between because they know that if they framed it clearly, there is a straightforward right answer yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. And you, you can't say you want diversity it, and have an entire ex, like white executive staff. You can't like say you support protests but condemn, you know, the destruction of property that's related to that. Like, or you the, can, or you know what you can do though? There, can, there is no such thing. 
Right. Like you can, if you're in that position or you're in any sort of position of contradictory belief and action, and I think that probably most white people in this industry are, you know, where they like, oh, they think of themselves as progressive. They think of themselves a certain way, but probably they have gotten opportunities that other people, you know, they have benefited from a system that they're willing Mm -hmm. to decry publicly. And in that moment, I guess like my just most honest thing I can say is like, don't shrink from examining that contradiction and trying to do something about it. You know what I mean? Like, don't put your own comfort first. Like, use that to say, hey, actually, I have benefited from this and I'm going to try to pass it forward in some way. And I'm going to try to, most, most importantly, like the thing for me, it's like, try to decenter yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I really see like so many, like, thread upon thread upon thread upon comment upon comment from, you know, like, you know, white people in the industry. And it's like, let's, how, what happened to, you know, listening and supporting, you know, as opposed to trying to make these conversations again about how we aren't the bad ones, you know what I mean? Like, I just really, I think this is a moment of reckoning, and I think it needs to be, and I think that I want that to happen for myself, for you, for anyone else, in an honest way, in a way that, like, I don't know, it's like, this isn't another branding opportunity, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, people... I, I, you know, I've been talking with a lot of people recently about, like, our agency, right? And, like, one of the things that you and I have struggled with and continue to struggle with is that, like, our job is fundamentally inequitable. Like, like, it is not a, a job that can ever be, like open to everybody the way that it currently is like it is it is a a, oftentimes causes a lot of gatekeeping and barrier to entry to writers but also like it's a job that's impossible to do without support and so i know like you and i have have been thinking really strategically about like how to change the landscape without um without like playing into that yeah um and like we don't have an answer (laughs) you know what i mean like like we're like i you know like we i feel like a lot of this podcast is just like about us dealing with the fact that we have a job that isn't fair yeah i mean i think that we were able to pick it because we could and like I don't know, I think, like, if we're talking about, like, the purpose of this show or whatever, like, I've always, the value in it for me has always been that it's just kind of been a way to, like, work through thoughts and beliefs, you know, in, like, a publicly accountable way, you know, like, it's a, it's a means through which you and I can, you know, kind of sharpen our thoughts and engage with others and, hopefully help other people think about what we're thinking about and vice versa and use it as a means of, and I just really like, it's obviously contradictory to get on, you know, our platform, our podcast here and say, Hey, what we need right now is less people using their platforms. To <laughs> but like, I guess like that is what I want to say is like, let's just do things that aren't necessarily about 
advancing yourself in this moment. And in fact, probably what needs to happen is sort of a decentering of of us, of every, you know, to boost others. And, you know, we've tried in various ways to do that and we need to do more. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's just such a strange time, you know? Yeah. And like, it seems like we're just kind of talking around this point. And if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, yes, but what do I do? Um, yeah. I, I like, there's not really an answer other than like think critically, learn some stuff and be uncomfortable and be okay. Like, I think the main thing is like turning the question of like racism, whether it is intended or institutionalized or subconscious or whatever, like turning that from something that is a binary so yeah. that you can sort of erase it in yourself and be like, no, I'm a good person, so I'm not racist. Right, right. Like the, you know, like that article said it perfectly, Eric, where it's like there is no platonic ideal of an anti-racist. And I think that publishing has grown less and less comfortable with gray space because, I don't know, because capitalism, <laughs> right? And... Yeah. So and now because like publishing the ideas is it I mean, it's a political act. It's always been a political act by yeah. publishing something. You're implicitly saying it's worth listening to. It's worth pushing. Um, it's like you want people to think that way. Um, and Can so I read the last yes, bit of please. this article. This last this last paragraph, I think, is really beautiful. Um, so here we go. Calls to read more and to read this strike me as particularly funny or at least comic in the middle of a pandemic when everyone admits that even our customarily wan attention spaces have been decimated. There are snappier places to glean the long story short of America, like podcasts, if it took someone this long to care. As a friend pointed out on Twitter, George Zimmerman was acquitted seven years ago. Donald Trump was elected four years ago. Black History Month happens every year. Cops kill all the time. The books are there. They've always been there, yet the lists keep coming, bathing us in the pleasure of a recommendation. But that's the thing about the reading. It has to be done. And so I just think, like, that last bit is really key. It's like, yes, you know, a reading list is great, but you do have to do the reading. And doing the reading, if you actually are reading these books, it involves some action. You know, mm -hmm. it involves... And like I guess that like is my and then we can move to our question here that we that we got in, but like let the discomfort you feel lead you into action, you know? Do not let yourself be pacified, you know. If you're someone in this industry who is white and comfortable and, you know, benefiting from the systems that we have in place, like think about what that means and think about how what you can do to share that with other, you know what I mean? To like share what you've been given to someone who hasn't been given that, you know? So I think now's a good time. Um, this is a, a Tulum at May concern that came weeks ago, but I think, I think the, the discussion and the answer will point us towards uh, a similar sort of mindset as we've yeah. kind of been asking all of our listeners to, um, yeah, to, to adopt majestic loon 
About seven years ago, I was struggling to break into the writing industry. I was writing for a somewhat popular website. They started an ebook wing. Naively, I hurriedly published an ebook with them, hoping it would make me look more legitimate and just give me another CV line item. Ugh. And when I say hurriedly, I mean it. The book is full of typos, even in the chapter titles, and honestly reads like an amateur's first attempt at fiction because that's basically what it is. I thought the publisher was at least half legitimate and would do a proper edit, but they just published it without even reading it. Their entire ebook operation was basically just a cash grab. This publisher would later have a very public falling out with some of its writers over elevating alt-right and transphobic rhetoric. Myself and others publicly denounced them, and in the pre-Trump days, this was its own half-day news cycle on Twitter. But it gets worse. I was vaguely leftist when I wrote this book, but I still had some strong center-right leanings on certain issues, and those are strongly reflected in the subject matter. I've since evolved considerably and want a president so far left they make Bernie Sanders look like Ronald Reagan. I looked at the contract I signed and saw no way I can get the book taken down. So not only am I stuck with this horribly written ebook with my name on it, it has some pretty noxious critiques of our political structure. I still want to write fiction, though, but I know this is going to get discovered if I ever get published, and then I'll get canceled and my career will be over. Why even live at this point? I want to publish under my real name, but part of me is afraid because if I use my real name, that this piece of shit ebook will show up on my Amazon author page forever. And I don't want to tell any agents about it in a query letter because it's terribly written, doesn't reflect what I can actually do, and doesn't reflect my current beliefs. And the publisher has no legitimacy anymore if they ever did either. So what do I do? I'm so paranoid about this. I've been thinking about it weekly for years now. I don't want to get canceled. I feel gu guilty lying by omission and not telling agents about this. But if you did Fire Festival, would it? Would you put it on your resume? <laughs> um, so that's a, that is a fascinating question. It is a fascinating um, question. Um, it, yeah, I think I think Eric, we should probably start by addressing the like paranoia about being canceled. Yeah, let's, that is a good place to start. And I just think, like, with this stuff, so much of it is just based around transparency and intellectual honesty and accountability more than it is about having always for your entire life having had the correct opinions. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think that – and this this is my personal belief, but, like, you could – people – can evolve in their life with, with, as it relates to like, you know, their political beliefs. I, you know, I grew up in a very conservative household, for instance, you know, and got to college and changed my, you know, like people have changed their belief systems, you know, and that's fine and that's normal. And I do think that, you know, sometimes like this super big emphasis on like cancellation, you know, has a means of flattening that. And I look at something like this and for me, I think that the key and you tell me what you think of this, Laura. The key is to not hide from it. The mm -hmm. key is just be honest with, like, everything you said in this email seems, I guess it seems reasonable to me. Like, so you publish under your real name. Someone digs up this ebook and says, hey, you wrote this. And rather than shutting down and getting defensive and whatever else, what if the answer was simply to say, yeah, I did write that. And since then, I've you know, change and I've developed these different beliefs and here's why. And I've asked to take the, you know, I don't know how to take the book down. I've asked, if you haven't asked, I would do that by the way. Like, yeah, that just because be, it's not like, in the contract doesn't mean like that they just, won't do it. 
like have it exactly like that's worth doing um like and being able to just publicly account for your own growth and your own actions taken in response to that i honestly like maybe i'm in a maybe i'm taking a weird stance here but like that seems okay to me it seems fine that people change and grow and write things like can you i you know we think about this a lot with regard to people who like we i certainly didn't grow up being on social media forever but like the people who did like having this log always of your opinions from age whatever like of course you're going to change and of course like you know you're going to grow and stuff and I think that being able to just account for that and be honest about it and open about that, like, to me, there, I don't, I think that that is not something that means you should, like, never try to publish under your real name again, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, just, just to kind of relate the, the fear of being canceled to the discussion we just had about, like, ever, (laughs) like, putting, you know, ever behaving a little bit racist makes you a bad person and you don't want to think that you're a bad person. So you just whatever. Right. So like that's that's very related. I, I read something and I wish I could remember who said it um, on Twitter the other the other week. That was a thread about. Like white fear. Right. Mm-hmm. The the idea is, is that nobody's ever canceled unless they're afraid of being canceled and that like fear causes oftentimes a lot of like worse and reactive and like protective behavior um for example an entire literary agency just like getting rid of all its staff right because because of one thing instead of just like engaging with it like that's what it is it's like there's there's the personal fear of but i'm gonna get in trouble and that fear is so much more damaging than any sort of like past mistake truly it really 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 is and like the only way forward is is through it and like there are some things you know to kind of echo eric like there are some things that you can do to like kind of control when you do have to deal with this so like this is this is a complicated story this is not something that needs to be in a query letter maybe you can contact this this, right like this is this is something that you would talk about like with your agent there's also other things that you can do for example ask the website to take it down like maybe that's fine you can also like having record of Amazon that is a really good thing in your favor by the way it is really good and being able to say hey I sent this email on however many years ago or whenever that said I want this down and they just didn't you know what I mean like it yeah and there's there's also something that you can do where you could probably like if if you know farther down the line and you've got your like real debut that's going Mm -hmm. up and like let's say it's on amazon and amazon sees that it's the it's you know there's two books on there by the same person they may or may not link it and if they link the two under your author name you can log on as like there's like special like author accounts and you can tell them to decouple it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like there are like things you can do to make it harder to find just because you don't want to like lead people to it and i think that's really the key is like you you want to distance yourself from that if it if it can't go away, but you don't want to hide it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, just think and... like 
That's the key. Yeah, it's so it doesn't. I, I think as you put, like the yeah, you know, the behavior is based on you know secrecy and fear are worse than the thing itself. You know what I mean? Like the thing itself. I think as you, if your email is to be believed, you've gone through a very. It sounds like a very good evolution in your beliefs. You know what I mean? And that is worth cataloging. And if writing is about intellectual honesty, you know, I think a lot more people have done what you're describing than um, they would like to admit, you know, and um, I think there's space for that. And I think that there's nothing to be like that growth in that what might appear to be inconsistency. You know, I don't know that there's anything to be ashamed of there. Like, it's good that you think differently than that. And for someone to say, hey, you used to think this, I mean, it seems like the answer is just say, yeah, you're right. And now I don't. And here's the steps I've taken since then to, you know, deal with that and change, you know, like, I, I just think that, I think that's where we want to be. And this hyper-focusing on cancellation does feel very strange to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, it's scary. Like, it's scary yeah. to think that a mistake that you did in the past is going to affect your career. But, I, like, you you have to be brave about it. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? Like, yeah. you, you have to be brave about it because you're a different person now. So I want to, I actually do want to say one more thing just about, just for the record about like cancellation stuff, because I'm realizing how maybe that my last little comment sounded. Um, I am not decrying cancel culture as we refer to it when it comes to very powerful people behaving very badly and needing to be, have their accountability taken away and all that stuff. You know, like, I think that is a, that sort of transparency, that sort of work. Like I am very pro canceling most of the people that when you think of the big, like that, I'm into that. What, but what you're describing here is something I think that is different, which is that someone who is not in a position of power, who's changing their beliefs, um, like this feels like, it's like, I feel like when people use the word cancel, we're using it as a catch-all for very different situations. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, you know, a term that's come to mean a few different things. And, and so like, when I say, well, I think it's, you know, this hyper-focus on cancellation is a little weird. I'm certainly not referring to, you know, major major instances of, like, institutional power abuse of, you know, moments when someone, you know, like, that accountability is obviously incredibly necessary. That's not what I'm talking, like, I'm referring to specifically to, like, your situation here. Individuals without like, a lot yeah, of institutional exactly. power. Like I, I think that yeah. there is a line to be drawn there that could almost use a different verb, you know? Yeah. Um, Canceling Adam Rappaport, the editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit, <laughs> right, right. which is, you know, one of the big yeah. magazines of Conde Nast, is very different than, like, somebody saying, oh, this author who has, yes. like, one book out right now, pro- like, like there's a difference in power, and, like, we've dissected in a lot of ways how writers specifically yeah. don't have power, right? Yeah. And so, like, the, the most powerful thing as a writer that you can do is, like, be an honest thought leader, <laughs> and that also yeah. includes, like, being wrong and getting in trouble, and that's not yeah. a bad thing. Right. Like it's not. Right. Yeah. I'm sure like if you were to ask maybe, you know, 
uh, an, an agent who works for like a really big New York City agency, like the instinct would probably be like, well, you got to write under a pseudonym, right? But like, that is not the answer here. Like the answer is, is yeah. like the this answer is, you know? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And that's true for everything. Um, <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. Um, I know that a lot of you tune in to, you know, for, for the dog takes and the magic cards and the jokes and whatever. <laughs> um, and I understand that this episode is meant to leave you feeling a little uncomfortable and a little unsatisfied. Um, and just know that that was our intention. Uh, there will be more jokes next week, hopefully. So, yeah. so uh, definitely tune in then to our regular episode and, and watch out for our special episodes. Bye. Thank you.